Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for the message you hear today is that it will inspire you and encourage you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, please check us out at CVC Madera, both on Facebook and Instagram. And you can check out our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church. Thanks for listening. Amen. Well, first of all, I got to say, man, I'm excited about being here. Um, I love to worship with the church. Right, <laughs> I love man. I just I, I got to tell you, I'm honored to. I, I haven't been in light in front of lights this bright in a long time, <laughs> so I have a hard time seeing you. But I'm just going to speak as if you're you're, you're there. Uh, but man, I, I got to say, I'm so honored to be here and be able to speak with you guys tonight. But what you have to understand, and I, I'm sure this is comes from your pastor's heart, Rick Jimenez, uh, another pastor, a friend of mine, came down from Fresno to be here tonight too, and. Their hearts are probably the same that we don't, we don't hide behind a title of pastor, uh, but the only title we search for is the, the, the title son. And we get to stand up here and we get to represent our father. And there's no greater joy, there's no greater honor than that. And you guys have come to hear and gaze upon Jesus. Am I correct? Yeah. Come on. And so if you, would, if you would, just put your hands out before you. And this is dual purpose. This is to receive and to give away. And so we're just going to give our hearts to the Lord tonight and ask for him to just move upon our hearts tonight. So, Father, we adore you, for you are everything to us. We are thanking you, Father God, for this time that we've come together to gather in your name, to seek your face. Lord, we know your word is truth. So we ask that you would sanctify us by your truth. Father God, I ask even now that your presence would overwhelm us. As you fill our hearts with joy. Father God, when you give us, Lord, you just pour into us your presence, your heart this, this evening. Lord, we adore you. Our hearts are filled with adoration, overflowing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We just keep our attention on you. This isn't moving from worship. This is actually staying in the place of worship. I don't really, it's all right if I just talk to you guys tonight. That's what I do. Thank you, brother. But it's all right if I just talk to you. I, I tell the Lord, you know, you always prepare. And, but you have no idea kind of the, the order of service or how it's going to work. And so I just said, you know, Lord, I just, I just want to be open to what your spirit says and what you're doing tonight. And so I feel like what the Lord is, is really placing on my heart. First of all, let me tell you about a time the Lord spoke to me as I went and tucked away. <clears throat> and I do this often. I, I, I'm pretty sure, Pastor, you do the same. I know Rick does. But at times you... You just go tuck away. You get away for three or four days to just spend time with the Lord. Um, and I try to do that regularly, not because I'm tired of people, right, but because I understand the position that, that God has given me by his grace to lead a people. There's one shepherd. I get to be an under-shepherd by the grace of God. But there's one shepherd. And so I, I constantly try to get away and, and just spend time in his presence to hear his voice and what he's saying for seasons. And for times, and uh, 
the Lord spoke this a couple of years ago in one of those, those times with him when I just tucked away. He said a lot of things to me regarding me personally. And you guys know when you tuck away, a lot of times the Lord brings some correction in your own life. And what the Lord did is he began to speak about, about, about really uh, the marriage from the, of the bride to the, of the church to him, the, the bride of Christ, the church itself. And as I was leaving, I actually called my wife. I remember this time I actually called my wife and I said, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to make, make it back for Sunday service because the Lord has called me to stay. And uh, we had other friends that could fill in and people that, in the church that could. And so I, I, I sat with the Lord and he began to reveal some things to me. But this is what he said as I was leaving at the end of that close of that day. He said, tell them that the king is coming, but he's arrayed in wedding attire. Listen to what I'm saying in this when I, when, I, when I speak to you. That the Lord is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. The Lord's coming back for his people, a bride. And I felt like, like since that day, the Lord has placed that on my heart. And I'm, I'm big on intimacy and relationship and fellowship with the Lord. I'm big on fellowship with the Holy Spirit. As Paul encouraged us to walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. But when the Lord spoke this, there was a shift that went on in my heart, and it became really the theme. And everywhere I go, I tell people the same theme, that there is a king who is about to split the skies and come for his bride and his church and his people. And in saying this, I, I, I need to say this to you, that I feel like, there is a, there's a shift coming to the church, and your pastor actually spoke a little bit about it, about really denominational walls being torn down. Are you guys all right with that? And a people that are fixated upon Jesus, a remnant people within the church, because you know that everybody that attends churches, uh, the churches are filled, but God is looking for a remnant. He's looking for a people who are fixated upon him. And this people that God is going to use to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth. Like he's bringing the kingdom down on earth. Like he is establishing the kingdom here. It's you and I. Your pastor said it's a rare breed, a, a rare type of people that want to come out during the week and seek his face. I think this is, this is actually really amazing to me that, uh, that he would open his, his doors, Josh would open the doors, your pastor would open his doors to other pastors coming in and speaking. I, but I'm seeing this happen all the time. And I, I, just, I, I just feel like I just need to talk to you about my heart and what the Lord's saying to me and what I know he's saying to you because he's drawing you. There's, a, there's an urgency within the hearts of the church and we're being drawn to his presence because God is, is preparing a bride. The bride is making herself ready in this season. Would you agree? Have you felt a shift in the atmosphere? <laughs> Come on, man. It's not the lights. This is just me. I'm drinking wine. I, I, I know you're there. But listen, this is, this is what, what I feel like the Lord was saying and. And I've got to read this passage to you because I felt like 
again, I, I, I'm not saying this is not a correction to the church. This is actually, uh, when you guys, when, if I begin to speak about repentance, you understand repentance is not a one-time thing, right? Repentance is a life lived. It has, it's not about just the changing of, of the way we think. It's actually the, the life lived in sanctification by the Spirit, changing, conforming our, our thinking to kingdom thinking, right? So you understand when the Lord begins to speak about, about establishing a church and a people, this is exactly what he's doing. He's calling a church to repentance, to live the life of repentance. And this life of repentance that he's calling us to, and, and I, I think about John, and I, I, I've been really dwelling on what John this, this, if you, if you, if you have ever read John, John's, John's description of the gospel, because there's only one gospel, there's just four accounts. But John's description of the gospel, his account of the gospel is different than the other three. Because there's something about John, even when he was with Jesus, he was, he was known by the other disciples as the one that Jesus loved. Or the beloved, right? Which actually is what that means. The one that Jesus loved. And Jesus, you have to understand that John was always with Jesus. He was even there at the cross when he was with the mother of Jesus, right? And there was something about John in, in his writings. And John was the only one that wasn't, didn't die as a martyr. He actually was on the Isle of Patmos when Jesus showed up to him and took him into heaven to show him the things to come. And I find this interesting because... In John's account, when I began to read about John's account of the gospel, it's, it's as if he has an insight that, that no other did in writing of the gospel. Now, I'm not saying all, all scripture is God-breathed. It's all by the Spirit of God. But John, from this place, had been, like he had been into the, the, the secret counsel of the Lord. And you and I know that when he went up to Reve in, in Revelations, when he wrote Revelations, or he went up and he began to see these things unfolded, Christ revealing the things to come, the first thing Jesus did is he addressed the churches. And he told them about the seven churches that he needed to go and, and address. And out of those seven churches, the, the, the theme was repent and come back. Right, repent. And the things that you've allowed in have to be removed. Right? This is the grace of God. This is the Lord calling to a church and saying this. And, and I want to read this, this kind of this layout of, of John. If you don't mind turning to uh, the Gospel of John with me. I want to I read something to you. Because I find it really interesting. Uh, what, what he said in, in Revelations was to address the churches. And John comes back and he begins to address the churches. But from that place, let me just say this. Let me get to John here. You can go to John, John 1, and I'm just going to explain this to you for the, for the sake of time. Just walk through the account where John, John begins to lay this out. John is speaking... <clears throat> Or telling the story of, of really, really the account that Jesus had uh, revealed to him in, through revelations. When he went up to, to, to with the Lord and began to uh, hear what the Father was saying in revelations. 
And the first thing he said was, go to the churches and tell the churches. Here's John writing in John uh, 1. And he says this, and, and in John 1, he says this. Bear with me just a minute. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. Clarity, Father God. We just thank you for your word. We just thank you. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the honor. So here's John. Let me explain this to you. Probably getting a little ahead of myself. John wrote the gospel of John before Revelations. He got this revelation from the Lord after the Isle of Patmos. And he began to write in John this gospel from the revelation in which he got. And he said this. And he began to lay out John completely different than the other gospels. And he writes in the beginning, this is John 1.1, 1, 1, he said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was the life and the, in him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. John goes on to speak of these, these accounts to really address the church. And this is what he says. He opens up in John 1 and he says, it's all about the revealing of Jesus Christ. The next thing he did is he talks about, about John the Baptist coming. The Elijah generation or the John the Baptist generation. See, Jesus, <clears throat> John actually came to testify to the coming of, the, of Jesus, the first coming and there's an Elijah generation that's going to rise up and proclaim the coming of the king for the second time. And so John, because he's been in the presence of the king, in this revelation, his entire understanding is about the, the bringing clarity to a church. And listen to this. So he starts out with this understanding of who the Lord is and who he is is the word of God made flesh. And then he moves in, 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 in order here. He moves and begins to talk about John the Baptist and the plan that God has set forth for the church. And then there's this interesting thing that the next thing he does, John, John's account speaks of a wedding of Cana. And it's interesting that he's the only one that gives this account, but it wasn't out misplaced. Listen to this. And in John 1-2, he says this. He said this, listen to this. And on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My time has not yet come. 
And the mother said to the servants, whatever he says, you do it. Then there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of the, of the purification of the Jews, containing 20, 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up. And Jesus said, right, and then he said to them, draw some of out and take it to the masters of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water, that it was now made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called to the bridegroom and he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine and when he has and when the guests has have, have well drank then the inferior but you have kept the, the good wine until now this was the beginning of signs that Jesus did in Canaan and Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him listen to this John in this revelation came back to the churches and wrote this gospel because they had to be, had been with the Lord. And he revealed this, this purpose for the churches, this correction that has to come to the churches. And listen to this. So Jesus lays out this plan, or John speaks of this plan, lays this plan out, talking about the plan of the Lord is that he's coming back for a bride. And so he begins this with the wedding. And it's interesting to me that, I, and I've heard a lot of accounts of this, and I've heard a, a lot of teaching on this, but to me it's pretty clear. And the Lord was simply saying this, that the old wine is done and the new wine has come. And Jesus was delivering this new wine to a people. It was the bride of Christ, right, that he's talking about. He is coming back for a wedding. This is all about a wedding. And Jesus being the one who is bringing this new covenant. And Paul talks about this very same thing about being dead to one if a woman marries a man when the, when the one is still alive, when her husband is still alive, she's an adulterer. But if the first dies and she remarries, she is free to remarry. Meaning the law was finished. John the Baptist, I'm sorry. Yeah, John the Baptist. So what he, he said in the account is it is my place to diminish, right? So that he would be increased. Like I am, I am, I am ending Everything that, that ended, as John being the end of the last prophet, right, or the last, uh, the last of the prophets, he's saying, I am stepping down so the new wine can come, that Jesus might establish this new revelation, this new, this new understanding in new covenant. And he says this, listen to this. So Jesus begins to, at this point, John's laying this out, that Jesus has come and that he's, he's raising up a generation of people that are going to proclaim the name of Jesus and the coming of a king that is going to marry a bride. A bride, the bride of Christ, right? A bride that has been washed by the washing of the water of the word, is being perfected. But it's interesting to me because John lays this plan out at the beginning of John and then the next thing he does is he goes to the temple 
he goes to the church, he goes to the house of God, and he begins to flip tables. Now listen to this. You have to understand what, what I'm getting at here is that when he began to flip these tables, the Bible says that the disciples were standing near, right? And they heard him say this one phrase in John, in John uh, 2.17. He says this, and the disciples remembered what, he, what was written for zeal for my house has eaten me up. This word eaten me up means consumed me. And the Lord has went in and he flipped the house. He went to make right the house of God. And you have to understand there was a lot of tradition going on in the church. It was 400 years of silence between the Old and the New Testament. And Jesus shows up in this place and they're, they're selling things and, and they're, they're, they're uh, using it as a, a place of merchants. He said, this is, you made the house of God a place that were merchants. And he says this, he begins to flip it, and the disciples standing back, and John being one of them, began to look at and see him flipping these over, and he remembered what David said in Psalm 69, where he said, zeal for my house has eaten me up. And David in Psalm 69 said this, and this is where the Lord began to speak to me, that this zeal for the house has eaten him up, mean consumed him. And they remembered what he said. And he said, when David said that, he was saying to the Lord in, John, in, in Psalm 69, and you can go back and read it. He said, I have lost everything because my passion, my zeal for your house has consumed me. And it's consumed me so much so that I have lost family and friends. And they mock me and they make, they make songs about me at the gate. Pastor, what are you saying? <laughs> this is what I'm saying. I'm saying there's a correction coming to a church and a people. And as John wrote and laid out this, this picture, he revealed the heart of the Father in this. He revealed the heart of Jesus as he's come back to the church to transform a church lovingly. Right? This is what this is what true repentance is or true correction that leads to repentance. He's calling a church back to repentance. Now, I'm not talking about just individual churches in individual regions. I'm talking about the church worldwide. He's brought a church back. He's, he's, he's calling a church back to his bride, his people that are joint and knit together. I said the denominational lines that had need to be severed for the church to become the church. You can look at a world right now where... where it seems chaotic going through COVID and, and wars and rumors of wars and uncertainty with the economy. But none of that should change the heart of the church. None of that should change the focus of the church. And in this time, God has raised up the remnant that are fixated upon him. And what the Lord's saying is he's coming to flip, he's coming to flip tables again. He's coming into the houses and he's speaking of correction. He's speaking of a repentance to come to the hearts of the church. To establish a rim people. I say this because my heart burns with this theme. That Jesus is returning 
arrayed in a garment, a wedding attire because he's looking for a bride. He's coming back for a bride, a people who are fixated upon him, whose eyes are on him, fixated upon him, and their whole body being filled with light. The Lord is purifying her bride, his bride. But this purification is going to be a recklessly abandoning all that we know to seek him alone. See, the, I, I say it like this. Let me just say it like this. The theme of this entire Bible, if I was to sum it up, I would say I'd sum it up like this. That the theme of this entire Bible is the father looking for a bride for his son. The entirety of this Bible is, is the word of God is that God set in motion, right, the moment Adam sinned, God instantly set in motion restoration. The Bible says God, Jesus was foreordained before the foundations of the world. He was foreordained before the foundations of the world to redeem us and bring back the church, the bride of Christ. And let me say this, I'm just going I'm, I'm to say this, that it is, it is the Father's heart to give a beautiful bride to his son. And the father will never allow his son to marry an ugly bride. And, and I, I, say that, I say that meaning this, a complacent bride, a lazy bride, right? A bride who thinks she can do it on her own or even assist. The Lord is coming back for a bride who is submitted to him. Now, this is a picture of Mary really at the feet of Jesus. She was echoing what was said in Isaiah 66. In Isaiah 66, at the beginning, the Lord says this in my paraphrase, saying, what is it that you can give to me that my hands haven't already made? What is it that you have that I haven't already established and made? And then he says this, but... On this one I will look. And the Greek word actually means, or, or the Hebrew word actually means, when he says look, it means favor. But upon this one I will bestow my favor to the one who has a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. This was the picture of Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus. Do you remember when he went to Martha's house and Mary sat at the feet? The Bible says that Martha was there also, that Mary also sat at the feet of Jesus but Mary was distracted. The word distracted means separated. From what? Because Mary sat at his feet and listened to every word he said. This is the heart of what the church must become again. Right? The church, the bride of Christ, must become a people that are fixated upon him alone and who sit at the feet of Jesus. Unmoved by circumstances and unmoved by things that they see or they feel in, the, in, in, this, in this world. We, not, we don't live by senses any longer. Because we're a people of faith and they just live by it. And what the Lord's coming back for is a bride who has made themselves ready. Who are obedient to his voice. Who sit in a place like this and say, Father, you speak, we move. Whatever you say, we'll do it. I know your pastor and, and Rick, we sat down at, at lunch and uh, their hearts is, is really the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And, and, and it's my heart 
My heart, I, my, my heart as a pastor is to raise up others. It's, it's a calling that only the Lord can give. It's the grace on your life to be a pastor. Don't be a pastor unless you're called to. Don't be an evangelist or a teacher unless you're called to it. But evangelize where we're at. But it's this idea that it is the part of the equipping gifts to equip others to go and see. Right? The nation's changed. But it's going to start, as Paul said this, Paul said this in Corinthians, he says that judgment must first begin in the house of God. And I feel like the Lord is, is saying, I'm coming back for a bride, but I'm going to send my, my spirit is now perfecting her, transforming her and adorning her, transforming her for my arrival. And it's this idea of going into all the world and preaching the gospel. In John 17, which you guys understand, listen, John is, is amazing to me. But in, John's, in John, the book of John, there's this passage of scripture from chapter 13 all the way to 17. And it's very intimate. In, in those chapters, the Lord has taken his disciples away and he's speaking to them intimately. And he begins to reveal what is going to take place. That he's going to die and that he's going away. And they're like, where are you going? And he begins to reveal the, the, the comforter, another comforter coming. He begins to reveal the spirit of God. But he gets to the end of this chapter and he goes into John 17, which is, is entirely bridal language. But he goes to the father and he says, these ones you have given me, I have finished the race. I have finished what you've given me to do. And the ones you have given to me, he begins to pray over them. That he would, they would, he would not take them from the world, but he would keep them from the evil, evil one. And this is Jesus speaking to the Father about the bride that he has found. And the remnant people that he's found. And that out of that remnant, you and I, and he says, those who will also hear their words. Those who will come to you because of what they preach. And he says, this is going to make up the bride of the church that I'm coming back for. And what I'm telling you today is, is simply this. And, and I know I've stumbled over some things here. But, but what I'm saying is this, and bring it to the simplicity of this, that Jesus Christ is coming back for a church that is found doing, not doing in their own strength, but doing in covenant. Did you know that God is a covenant-keeping God? God is covenant, that's what he is, and he's doing this. He's coming back for a church that walk in covenant with him. A church that are fixated upon him, who sit at his feet, attentive to his words. I tell people all the time, I said, you know, the Bible, we read it, but it was never intended for us to, to receive the revelation through reading. The word is to be heard. It's to be heard. It's, it's in hearing the word that I don't become religious by reading it. It's hearing. It's sitting down before the Holy Spirit and having the Holy Spirit reveal Christ to me. Unfold Jesus to me. And in him unfolding it, transforming me into the image of his son. Romans, Paul said, spoke about the, the intent of the father in Romans that is the father's intent to conform us to the image of his son. The bride is to look like the one coming for him. Listen, the groom and the bride are going to look the same. They're going to look the same. It's the adornment. 
It's the adornment. It's being transformed into the image of the son so that we look like him and we move like him and we talk like him and we smell like him. So there's no difference so that everywhere we go, people will know that we've been with him. And then we go into all the world and the people are drawn because of the presence that rests upon you. And the transformation that's in your life, not just in your words, but in the way you live your life before them. Many times without us saying anything. I'll tell you this, this, this picture, and the Lord has kept me on this thing for a long time about him returning for a bride. And I'm, so I'm sitting in this restaurant with my wife, and, uh, and I look over, and I'm probably, I don't know, from here to the front row to this, this other chair or this other seat. And it's a, a mother, probably a mother and father and, and their young daughter, which not too young. I think she's like, I don't know, probably, I, I would guess she would be 17. But I looked over, and the Lord drew her attention, my attention to her. And she, she was more distraught than I've ever seen anybody, truly. She wasn't on her phone, which is kind of weird today, but she was sitting at this table and she was, she was staring off into nothing. And I, I couldn't help but look at her and watch her. I literally was staring like I was blown away by what was going on and what the Lord was revealing to her or to me about her. And, and she just was staring off. And once in a while, she'd pick up her phone. And her parents, I felt like, were totally oblivious. And she was just staring. She would literally stare at the floor. And then she'd look up, and you'd see. And she'd try, and then she'd look back down and just stare off. And you could see in her a despair coming over her. And the Lord began to reveal this as a picture of the world, even though they mask it, right? But he said this to me, and this is what, what I feel just kind of wrapped up everything in this season that we're in is this. He said, he said I want you to tell her this. And, and I, I'm big on, Lord, what do you want me to say? Like, I, like if you want to go talk to him, I'm going to talk to him. Because, because you are the hope that the world needs. And I, I, who, I, who, who I possess, who possesses me is to be given away. And I want them to know. And so I sit there and I, I said, Lord, what do you want me to say? And he said, just tell her, go up to the table and tell her. Tell the daughter. And normally I don't do this, especially when I think they're, they're underage and the parents are there. Like I'm very cautious on that, right? Because protocol, right? So, so I walked up to the table and I just, I just, he said, just tell her this. Tell her I'm the one she's looking for. And I said, okay, I'm going to. And so I got up and I walked in. They still have masks on. So they're like, like even when they're sitting down, they have masks. And we're from Santa Clara County. And just today they lifted the mask mandate. We're like the last ones because they're really, yeah. Yeah, yeah, fear. But, but they were sitting down with their mask. In restaurants you could take it off when you're eating or drinking. See, they had their mask on. And I can tell, I'm like, no way were they wanting anybody to approach them. But it doesn't matter because the Lord said go approach her. And I walked up to her and I just told her, I said, listen, I'm, I, I just, I don't mean to interrupt you guys. but And I looked right at her and I said, Jesus is who you're looking for. And the mom leans over, and I told them both, I said, Jesus Christ is who she's looking for. And that's it. And they just stared at me, and I walked away. Because that's all the Lord told me to say. He didn't tell me to say anything else because I would have. I would have stumbled over it but I, like I do, but, but, but I would have said it. But here's the thing. 
what the Lord said is he said, this right here is a picture of the world. They are in despair, even though they cover it with everything else. They have no hope in them. And they are staring off into nothingness and nothing. There's no hope at what they're looking at. And the Lord began to speak this to me. And he says, they need to know that I'm who they're searching for. The reason the Lord is calling a church back to correction, back to repentance, the life of repentance, this life that isn't starting with just, I repent for my sins and I give my life to the Lord, right? It's this life that comes after that, this life that is lived with this, this transformed way of thinking. Now I live by kingdom. I'm no longer belong to the world that I've been, I've been liberated from, but I still live in it to liberate others. The, the word, Jesus finished the war. He fulfilled it. He, del he delivered the captive. But he's calling a generation of people who will go into the world and tell them that Jesus has won the battle. And that you're free and chains don't belong on you anymore. And you're not bound anymore. And this is the heart of it. And this is what I see in John when he was taken up to Revelations. The Lord, first thing he addressed is his bride. He said, go tell the churches. And he says, these are what's going on in them, but go tell them. But this message to the churches that the world, where they've compromised, that they no longer can compromise. And where they brought in the traditions of even past that they brought in and they held to traditions. He said, tell them that's no longer acceptable. And he said, and where they brought culture into the church, it's no longer acceptable. And if you read through this, even some of the things that, that the Lord was saying, even, even bringing in this, 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 this vile worship of Baal, this is his extended grace. Why? Because he, he's long-suffering for salvation and what he's doing within the church, and he said, this is extended grace. I'm, I'm, I'm purifying my bride in this season. And I'm calling a bride back to repentance. But this repentance that starts with an awakening by the spirit of God. When the gospels preach, and oh my God, I'm in need of this savior. And at that moment, my life transforms and it changes. And from then, my life is completely different. I begin to live and move and walk like Jesus does. And we brought into the culture, into this church, is we brought this message that isn't even in Scripture, that Jesus just say this name and you're saved. But this isn't even in Scripture. The gospel, you can only come when you're drawn by the Spirit of God, where God approves it for the Son, and he draws you. You can't even accept Christ unless the Father draws you to him. But the Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. Come on. What does that mean? That means... That the spirit of God is awakening in all hearts. The Bible says that, that our conscience bears witness to the spirit. And that eternity is placed in the hearts of every man. And that the spirit of God is moving and he's wooing the people. And he's commissioned a people, a church, a body, a remnant people who are going to be so fixated upon Jesus, right, that they're going to walk in an anointing. They're going to walk in a the presence. They're going to walk in the glory of God. And everywhere they go, people will know they've been with Jesus. Everywhere they go, they're going to know that they've been with Jesus. I, I, think, I think of Peter. I think of him walking and people hearing that he's coming to town. And they get the people and they want to get under the shadow. If they can just get within the shadows that distance. 
It wasn't really about the shadow. He walked in a, in a presence. It was what overshadowed him. It was the one who overshadowed them. If they could just get close enough to him, they'd be healed and delivered. I'm going to tell you what I know to be a fact, that this is returning to a church. This, his body, his church, is going to be this church. The bride of Christ is going to be a people that are literally going to change nations. In Habakkuk, and I think it's Isaiah, both echo the same theme. And he says this, that the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. The knowledge of the glory, what does that mean? That means the revelation, the knowledge that the children of God, the bride of Christ, carries. The knowledge and the declaring into the world, going into all the world to preach the gospel is going to come upon a people. And they're going to cover the world. And there's going to be a move of God. But let me say this, revival starts in the house of God. Revival starts in the individual. Let me say it like this. Individually, we're lovers. This relationship, collectively, we're the church. We're the body of Christ, joint and knit together. God is, God is bringing a church together. And this is the last days. I'm not putting any time on that. Don't, don't, don't sell everything. I'm not putting any time on that. What I'm saying is this, that we are, have to recognize the season that God has, has us in as a church. And our heart has to turn back to him and be obedient to what he says. Right? Hebrews says it like this. It says that Jesus was foreordained before the foundation of the world, right? He was foreordained before the foundation of the world. And revealed in this time for us is that he became the author of eternal salvation for those who would obey him. This means that salvation, right, is not separate from, from lordship. That he came to deliver us and make us his own, but to those who would obey him. Jesus said, I know you love me for your obedience to my word, to my counsel, that you'd be obedient to me. And the Lord is looking for this. This doesn't change. This is what he's looking for. And the Father is approving the bride in this season. And she's shaking the church. And God is shaking a people to establish a people. Listen, I'm just, just going to end, end with this. I, I want to encourage you. I, I just want to encourage you. To, to get your heart set on him. To literally set your, light, your heart upon him. If this, this means repentance. This means turning from everything else. Things that we've allowed into the church. Things we've allowed into our life that we say are okay. And turn our hearts back to the Lord. And give him entirely, give yourself entirely over to him. My, my heart is this. It's the same as, as your pastor's heart. I, I got to hear your pastor's heart, and, and I, I love to hear Rick's heart too. And these guys, yeah, they marched to the same drummer. And, and so I was listening to them, and I, I really think there's going to be such, such an amazing tie between these two. But I feel, like, I feel like their heart is this, like we're called to do something in this season. We're called, like God is really changing the atmosphere, and he's making it conducive for the gospel to be preached. And this is why they're going to all extents to equip the body to step into the calling that God has called them, the grace that he's given them to teach and to, to raise up disciples and to send them out. 
my heart is that you just be responsive to the call that I know God is calling to each and every one of us to come back to first love and to be obedient to that. But not just individually, but it starts individually, but then collectively. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you. We just thank you for tonight. We thank you for your love, your mercy. <laughs> thank you that you can turn <laughs> the hearts of your children to you. Lord, we just thank you, Father God, that you're drawing a people to yourself. Lord, I just pray that we'd be responsive, that we would hear your voice and we would run the call. We'd heed the call, Father God. We just give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends and help us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting